Three, two, one. How about that? With the second pick in the 2011 NFL Draft, the Denver Broncos select Von Miller, linebacker, Texas A&M. He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted you got all the advantages. Welcome, everybody, back to the Aggie War Pod after a two-week hiatus. I am your co-host, Mike Craven, senior writer of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine company that has printed a magazine this year, and it is uh, getting sent to subscribers. You can go to texasfootball.com and subscribe to get it early, and it'll start hitting uh, real shelves, brick-and-mortar shelves like uh, Barnes & Noble's in a couple of weeks. So pretty excited here. Uh, My co-host, uh, Jay Arnold also with us today, former fighting Texas Aggie uh, defensive lineman. Jay, we're braving the heat. It's like a hundred and thousand degrees outside. Uh, how you doing over there, buddy? I'm doing all right. I got the uh, softest, most incredible shirt on from Homefield Apparel. Uh, you know, if you use promo code WHOOP, that's W H O O P, you can get fifteen percent off at uh, at HomefieldApparel.com at checkout. Uh, and I think that's a pretty good deal, if you ask me. Aggie Warpod stock is rising with uh, with our first uh, advertiser. Uh, feels like a good pairing. Um, I, I'm not a. Everybody knows I, I didn't grow up an Aggie fan. You know, I went to UTSA, so so no Aggie allegiances on my end. But that good bull shirt probably will be making its way uh, to Austin, Texas, to my closet. That that was a fantastic shirt out of that collection. So uh, happy to be partnered with Homefield Apparel. As you mentioned, use that promo code and you get 15% off uh, your first order if you've never tried them. Uh, Jay, I wanted to ask you before we get into the show, before we get into Aggie football, and it's June, so we're going to talk about schedule stuff and some off-topic things because it's June 19th and it's not time to to dig into the nuts and bolts just yet. Uh, but with the heat and just how hot it is, what I've been wondering is, is where do people keep their thermostats? So I'm wondering... During the day, where do you have it? When you go to sleep, where do you have it? What's the Jay Arnold rule of thumb there? So I the the electrical plan I have in my apartment uh, is I have free electricity from eight to eight. Uh, so I try to keep it up pretty high around like seventy eight uh, during the day. If I'm out and, and not at home in the office, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have it up to like eighty. But when it gets to uh, time to go to bed, and this is what I don't get. They tell us to, to turn it up when we want to go to bed. But if I'm going to fall asleep, I, w- I want it to be cold. So I crank it down to like 67 uh, when I, whenever I'm trying to go to sleep. And uh, I have free electricity, so might as well, right? Yeah, well, until all of our power goes out because Jay Arnold is living in, <laughs> in a frozen tundra at night. I'm a, I'm a 76 uh, during the day. Uh, in that range, 73 at night uh, situation. But with a fan, like I need an overhead fan, like going, you know, yeah. uh, at all times, even when it's really cold. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a hot summer. We're all bracing for it. It's only June 19th and we're already at like five or six days over 100. And on my end, it's not really the highs that bother me. You know, I feel like I've grown up. I mean, I'm 38 years in the state. I mean, it gets hot, right? Like that's what it is. Uh, but it doesn't feel like there's lows anymore. Like overnight, it would get cooler. or There'd be something called a summer breeze where it would feel nice, at least for a couple hours uh, when the sun goes down. It feels like the lows are 80. Um, so you just never get a chance uh, to really calm down or cool down. And it's uh, affecting the cattle, right? Like that, you know, that's that's why so many livestock are, are passing away is because they're not getting cooled down overnight after a really hot day so that's your that's your uh agricultural talk uh for this texas a&m podcast yeah that's uh bringing one of the uh the key factors of texas a&m right the agricultural uh for the mechanical part i mean seems like a lot of acs are going out uh over this time but yeah i think you're right though It, it has to do with uh just not getting as cool at night and then the flip side of that too is i know i mean the humidity is not great in austin but here in houston it is just Oh my God. Uh, Miserable. Yeah. No, no. I live there uh, from kindergarten through sixth grade and uh, don't, don't miss some of that. I'll be down there um, Tuesday, Wednesday, but that's breaking news. Uh, Tuesday, uh, Houston university. Houston's kind of having like a version of an open house media day where like a bunch of players are available in the locker room um, and stuff. That, that'll be pretty cool. 
but on this episode of the podcast, we kind of wanted to uh, nibble into the schedule. We'll talk 2023 schedule, you know, biggest game as we see it, maybe a trap game, one that, that may catch A&M by surprise or that maybe we would be worried about. Uh, and then maybe an upset potential, maybe maybe a team that, you know, will be favored over the Aggies, uh, but maybe Texas A&M can pull that off. We'll talk about the 2024 schedule. We don't know the exact dates yet, but we know who's going to be at home, who's going to be away. Uh, obviously, the Texas game at Kyle Field uh, will be a topic. And then towards the end, I spent last week in uh, Smoky Mountain National Park. Uh, I know Jay is, a, is an outdoorsman as well who enjoys uh, park life. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then maybe if we have some time at the end, NIL uh, and, and kind of what we would, if we were big time student athletes, I mean, Jay Arnold was at one time, but if we were uh, in this time period, kind of what, who would we want to sponsor us? What would we be looking for uh, in a sponsorship? I think that could be a fun top, topic of conversation. Jay, let's start though uh, with the 2023 schedule. Now, obviously 12, 12 game schedule, uh, eight games in the SEC. What do you see as like the biggest game on the schedule? Uh, I think for me, the, the biggest game on the schedule, uh, you look at it, is the end of the season at LSU, in my opinion. Uh, there's other games that may be as big. I mean, Alabama is always going to be a big contest. Uh, you have the, the road contest at Miami to kind of get into the more difficult part of the schedule. Uh at Tennessee is going to be a big one. Uh, obviously, you're going to Neyland Stadium. Uh, that's going to be something that a lot of people are not going to want to tune into. But I just think closing the season off against LSU, uh, I think that could be a very interesting game for a number of reasons. Uh, so that's the one that I have circled as the biggest game on the schedule here. Yeah, I kind of, I, I think I lean towards the at Tennessee game just because it feels like they're going to have to steal one or two of those road games, either an at LSU and at Ole Miss and at Tennessee. Now, they should probably win that Miami game or at least be you know a slight favorite going into that one. So if they could they could steal one of those road SEC games, you know, it feels really important at Tennessee with just the turnover there uh, for the Vols. Uh, offensively, it feels like the one to do it. You can't let that one slip away, right? It feels like you lose that one eight and four, seven and five is more in the cards than nine and three, ten and two. Uh, so that feels like an important game. And, and the other one I wrote down for the same reason was South Carolina. You know, that, that feels kind of like this budding uh, little rivalry there. Um, and, it, and it's one of those teams that you should beat, right? Like you don't want to be in that grouping of the SEC. Texas a and is trying to be in the Alabama, Georgia, LSU rung of the ladder. And so you've got to beat the South Carolinas, the Arkansas, you know, the Tennessees and, and, and teams of that nature if you want to stay uh, near the top. So that's what I had uh, as the biggest games. Uh, what about trap game? What's a game when you look on that schedule that you know maybe wouldn't stand out to you as a – as this big scare, maybe on paper, but you you look at it and you go, okay, that one could get tricky for the Aggies. Miami, I think for sure. Uh, it's a two thirty kick at Miami, so it'll be three thirty local time. Uh, the heat of the day in Miami, and and College Station is humid, but Miami's a, a different level of humidity there, and that could be a little bit a little bit sketchy for A and M. And then Arkansas is always a trap game. Uh, for whatever reason, the the games in Jerry World just tend to be chaotic and. And uh, I'm I'm never at ease whenever I watch the uh, the A and M Arkansas games in 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 Arlington. I think we might, but I hope we don't lose Texas A and M Arkansas as a yearly battle. Um, you know, I think Texas and LSU are obviously kind of the top two games for A and M. If we if we end up going to the three six model, we all think that that will happen down the road with a nine game SEC schedule when the when ESPN ponies up there probably next off season. Uh, but I hope Arkansas would be the third team uh, just because that game is always fun. And then there's ties there, the Jerry World neutral site game. It's kind of got a Texas-Oklahoma feel, right, where it's in DFW. A lot of grads from both schools live in that area. Uh, so a 50-50 split in the stands and just a lot of fun. Old school Southwest Conference for the older generation, right, uh, to keep that alive. I like that one a lot. I chose the one the week before, and that's Auburn. You know, new head coach, new system. Who knows what that's going to be like? You're coming out of the out-of-conference schedule. You know you have Arkansas, Alabama, and at Tennessee as your next three games. Uh, you know, maybe Auburn seems like a team that you should be able to beat uh, in 2023. But, you know, it's an SEC game. Uh, you never know, right? That's going to be a talented team, if nothing else. So that feels like a potential trap game on my end. Yeah, I think the only reason I didn't circle Auburn is just because Auburn beat AM last year. So there's going to be a little bit of a, a revenge factor involved. Uh, but yeah, I could definitely see that being an issue. And, and like you said, it's 
they're always going to be talented, and and Hugh Freeze is definitely going to have some uh, some tricks up his sleeve uh, in the, in that contest. What about upset potential? You know, where can the Aggies pull one? Because they feel like you know, even though the last couple of years haven't been necessarily great, it does feel like A and M you know pulls one of those off, right? So who do you think is going to be this year? I mean. You know, it, it could be down the stretch and, and a team that we don't necessarily see being uh, someone that's favored and and could end up by the end of the season being a, a bigger name. I think Ole Miss is a team that would fit that bill, but I kind of like A&M's chances against Alabama, uh, if I'm being honest. I mean, last time the Crimson Tide came to College Station, the Aggies were able to pull off the upset. I think Alabama's missing a lot of pieces, too. That's the other thing about this, uh, you know, we say this every year, honestly, uh, that it's going to be interesting to see how Alabama kind of uh, adapts to what they lose. But I think there's more questions than there have been in the past. Uh, you know, they also get Texas earlier in the season, so we could find out find out some things about the tide then. Uh, but uh, you know, with A and M catching catching Alabama at home, I think they have a good chance to pull up the upset there. Yeah, Jalen Milrow, not Bryce Young. You know, I covered Jalen Milrow at, at Katie Tompkins when he was a recruit. It's going to be interesting to see how that offense looks with the new quarterback who emerges who emerges uh, there. I, I think you're right. I think I'm going to be in the house for that one, hopefully. Uh, that'll be a, a, a really good one. I put down at LSU. You know, that feels like, you know, one, you know, that it's been such a cool rivalry. Just to get one at Baton Rouge would be a big deal. You know, we'll see what kind of stakes are there. You know, if this team's nine and two going into that game, you know, what what can it do to get to 10 wins? If they're seven and three or seven and four, whatever that math is, can they get to that eight win? Like there could be a lot riding on that LSU game on the road there when we get to it. So that one feels like a potential upset because Jimbo Fisher does pull one. It was at LSU. Last year versus Alabama, uh, the year before, obviously they go nine and one in the SEC in the pandemic year. So always up for one, even if they're not completely consistent. Uh, we'll see what that is. And I like the old at Ole Miss one too. I think that could potentially be one that's looked at as an upset once we get um, to that point. For that point, I kind of ranked just for an exercise of my own uh, volition here. I kind of ranked the schedule from hardest to least hard. And so I was going to read those to you, Jay, and you tell me if you disagree with any of these orders. As I'm going, if you're like, hey, no, I think another team, you just let me know. Um, I feel like at at home against Alabama is still the toughest game on the schedule. Like, I, I get that LSU is coming and that's on the road. Uh, but, you know, until Nick Saban doesn't do the Nick Saban thing where they're always really good, especially when we think the era is about to end. Like, I feel we've thought – this movie is like face off with Nicolas Cage. If you've ever seen that movie where it should have ended five times and it just kept going. That's what the Nick Saban legacy feels like to me is like every time we're like, Oh, well, Nick, Nick Saban's done. Alabama's not going to be able to do this again. They just do it again. So I'm always going to have Alabama uh, as the number one, number one game at LSU feels like second. Those feel like the obvious top two. Yeah. And then I had at Ole Miss third, because I, I do think Ole Miss is going to be a really good football team. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. As long as that quarterback room doesn't implode, uh, which we've seen. I mean, maybe I'm just speaking on personal experience from AM and in, in 2015. Uh, but as long as that uh that quarterback room doesn't implode, uh, that is a very talented team. You get uh Quinshawn Judkins back, who was a real problem at running back last year. I mean, it, it's it's a team that I think a lot of people are overlooking and they should be. Uh, I think Ole Miss can be can be a real uh, thorn in the SEC next year. And uh, I, I agree with your placement of, of them at third on the list. Then the next one was really hard for me. Do you think at Tennessee or at Miami is a tougher game on paper? I did at Tennessee just because I feel like that's a tougher place to play. Uh, but Miami may be overall more talented. I don't know. They put a lot of talent on that roster. I went at Tennessee and then at Miami. Yeah, I'm going at Tennessee. Uh, then I actually have South Carolina okay. and Arkansas ahead of Miami as well, even though I've talked about uh, how September, early September in Miami is going to be a little bit difficult with the conditions. Uh, I just – I don't have a lot of faith in Miami as a program right now. Uh, I think there's just a lot of a lot of things going on behind the scenes uh, that, that make that a little unstable. Uh you know, obviously, it's still going to be a challenge. I mean, that's a good Power 5 team. But they didn't close off that season strong last year. And, I mean, you look at what happened against uh, Middle Tennessee with Miami. And, I mean, 
the wheels can come off in a hurry. Uh, I'll, I'll put it that way. So uh, I actually have Miami pretty far down on the list. Southeast Conference, Jay Arnold, right there, all the way in on the SEC. So you're telling, so you're on your list. You have what Mississippi State as the only SEC game that is like harder or less hard than the Miami game. Uh, so I actually have Auburn a step below okay. Miami as okay. well. All right. So we would of, we uh, would place Miami in the Auburn Mississippi category, uh, Mississippi State category more than the Tennessee Ole Miss. South Carolina tech category. Yeah, I do. Uh, I think it'll take a little bit for, I think Auburn's going to be one of those teams that gets better as the season goes on. Yeah. I think as the team gets more, uh, uh, more experience in Hugh Freeze's system, I think that team's going to get better. So I think that AM catching them a little bit earlier in the season, actually a, a, a little bit of a luck uh, for the Aggies as opposed to later in the season. And then Mississippi state, obviously, uh, you know, tragic situation last year with, with the loss of Mike Leach and the, that program is going to be going through a lot, but uh, I, I think catching the Bulldogs at home, uh, that's that's a pretty winnable contest. Then the three out of conference games, obviously New Mexico, Louisiana, Monroe, Abilene Christian, uh, should be should no app states on that list, right? That should be uh, an easy three and zero uh, right there uh, for the Aggies. So yeah, I think we're pretty. I think we're in mostly agreement on what the the toughest games on the schedule. Are. I think I think maybe our biggest disagreement there is what Miami is going to be. Maybe I'm a, a little blinded by just the overall sheer talent. Uh, there and we'll see what kind of team that turns out to be. But I think Miami and and A and M have a lot of similarities, right? Where it's like we know that there's a bunch of talents on those rosters, uh, but it was kind of assembled in a similar way, and it's going to be a challenge for those coaching staffs to figure out how you build a team in the new age of college football when you're putting a, together a roster uh, in that way. And we'll we'll see who is better at doing that in, in week two. Yeah, we'll we'll certainly find out in a hurry. Uh, but again, uh, the way college football goes, we could think we know a lot after week two, and and things could also change pretty drastically down the stretch. So, uh, I'm I'm really just kind of looking forward to everything getting out on the field. That way, we can see some action instead of uh, just talking about it. It's it's the anticipation that kills me. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is the worst time of year. July is the worst month uh, of the year, in my opinion. Um, and we're getting pretty much there. I mean, mid June through mid August is my least favorite time of year. Like everybody assumes that I like it because I'm less busy. No, we're not doing the magazine. It's not football season. Uh, but I have no idea what to do. I don't know what to do with my hands. Uh, I'm working on a behind the scenes project to kind of like keep me busy. I don't even know if any, if it'll ever see the light of day, but it'll keep me from being depressed during June and July. Cause there's like just literally nothing to do until media days. Uh, so the next few weeks are, are, are going to be tough. Well, I told you I was going to do this every single show uh, until the start of the season. Uh, where does Jay Arnold see the record being at the end of, of 2023? I think you're catching Jay Arnold at a uh, at a high point because yeah. I'm looking at nine and three right nine now. Nine and three. Okay. We're going to see how that fluctuates as kind of the summer goes on. If it goes up, if it goes down, it's kind of just a case experiment. I'm working with you. Yeah. I think that's going to change quite often. Yeah. Yeah, because we'll learn if you get like more pessimistic towards it or more excitement towards it. Like I tend to get more cynical as something gets closer. Maybe you get a little bit more optimistic as things get closer. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Nine and three, I think would be a very, how would you grade that, right? If they went nine and three, I think I would go, that's a B plus. That's a really good year, if, especially if those losses are decent losses against an Alabama and at LSU and let's say at Ole Miss. And they're pretty close. I think nine and three is a, a pretty good step in the right direction. One that I would like keep everything going for or going with. Yeah, I think that's a, I mean, I like to grade everything on a pass fail basis. And that's a clear passing grade in my opinion, especially when you take into account uh, where you're coming from in 2022. Uh, when, when you look at that, a nine and three after a five and seven season, it's uh, it's a huge improvement, and I think uh, something that you'd be really happy with. Is eight and four a pass or a fail? Eight and four is still a pass. I think you get seven to five. That's a fail. Okay, okay. So eight and four is kind of the sweet spot for you. Uh, yeah, uh, seven and a half. <laughs> well, which is it? Because that's the line. That's kind of what I was getting yep. to. That line is seven and a half, and it feels like that line is the tipping point of if Jimbo Fisher is the head coach of Texas A&M in 2024 or not, right? Like if A&M covers and gets the over, 
uh, Jimbo's going to be back. If they, they hit the under, they're probably not. That's just, you know, Vegas is, is tremendous. I absolutely love the way that they do some troll jobs every now and then manipulate some numbers and some bets uh, to put out some statements in June and see which way the money goes. I think my money is on the over uh, seven and a half. I think, I think right now I would put it at the over. I think we're going to have eight and four uh, in the magazine. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. A lot of it depends on the offense in my, in my mind um, and just kind of what, what it even looks like, right? Like how much, who calls plays. And we got another six, seven weeks to, to talk about all that kind of stuff. Um, the biggest news that happened while I was uh, enjoying the Smoky Mountain National Park, great area, not a huge Pigeon Forge fan. I don't know if you've ever been out there, but Pigeon Forge is like a really weird low rent Vegas type thing. I don't know. It's like yeah. a, like, it's weird, man. I, I don't even know how to describe it. It was, it was not my favorite part of my smoking. Yeah. Trip. There was a, a really good uh, restaurant there called the local goat, I think is correct. But other than that, it was like, it was really weird. It was like a Titanic thing. It had fields of McCoy's like a bunch of pirate stuff. I don't know. It was, it's kind of like a theme park on a road, like strip mall type. Very unhinged. Yeah, it was just really weird. It was not what I was expecting to see 30 minutes from a national park, right? So that kind of took me off guard. Uh, Other than that, it was a great trip. But the biggest news that happened while I was in the mountains uh, was the 2024 schedule release-ish, whatever we want to call it, uh, for the SEC schedule. We don't know exact dates or orders of the games, uh, but we do know who the home opponents and the away opponents are uh, for Texas A&M. So let's just go through this quickly. Um, Out-of-conference schedule, Notre Dame. The big ticket uh, on the schedule that year. Uh, also, McNeese, Bowling Green, New Mexico. At home, they have LSU, Missouri, Missouri, and then Texas. Arkansas counts as a home game, even though that's going to be uh, in Arlington. And then away, Auburn, Florida, Mississippi State, South Carolina. Jay, let's get the elephant out of the room, the burnt orange elephant out of the room uh, right away. Was there any doubt? that it was going to be in Kyle field. I know there was some posturing by CDC at Texas. Like, Oh, that's news to me. I, we hadn't even talked about it yet, but did you ever doubt that it was going to be in Kyle field? I was pretty sure that behind the scenes, Texas A&M was adamant about uh, getting that home game. Uh, whenever the series came back, uh, I personally didn't care. I just wanted the game back. I didn't care where it was played. Uh, I would have hated it if it was the neutral site, but I yeah. swallowed that bill. Uh, but I'm really glad that it's going to be back and that, uh, and then gets to host the the first game. That's going to be just an incredible college football scene. Um, I'm going to be nice to the AM athletic department for the next however many months that is just to ensure a credential um, for that one, even if it's on like the roof or something of that nature. Uh, very excited for that football game. But the home schedule that year in Kyle Field is just awesome. I mean, getting yeah. LSU at home, uh, Texas is the Notre, Notre Dame game. Is that Kyle Field? I believe that it is, is Kyle Field. So, like those three games that alone, is the first right game there. of the season, August thirty first at Kyle Field. Would you sell any of those tickets? What what price? Let's say you had a season ticket. Which of those three games, Notre Dame, LSU, Texas? Which one? Which ticket are you selling most likely? LSU, L- just, LSU, just because I mean nothing is going to ever top the seven overtime game for me. Mm-hmm. like being at that one like i feel like and also we've been playing lsu consistently yeah uh but uh it, it's the easiest one for me to sell i think yeah notre dame second on that list obviously that texas ticket let's say you have one you got a golden ticket um what is the price for jay arnold on the entry fee into, into that game or is there not a price you're just going to that game uh, if I get a ticket, and I, I'm already trying to pull strings with the Letterman Association, uh, good, good for you. I, I am. If I you am get a plus of, one, let me know. I will. <laughs> uh, but my price for that one uh, is probably it's probably not going to be a monetary value necessarily. Uh, I want a all expenses paid three week trip to Europe. Wow. Okay. That's steep price. I was thinking like two thousand bucks or something like that, but yeah, nope. no, that's big time. Uh, Life big experience. Time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's gonna be it's gonna be a big one, right? It's gonna be. I mean, arguably the biggest game in that that history. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's just like a prisoner of the moment uh, statement, but it does feel like the anticipation for that one's at an all time high. Obviously, because there just hasn't been a game for so long. There's a whole generation 
that's about to be introduced to this thing. Um, and so I think that's going to be cool. Uh, then the away, we, we kind of hit on a little bit, Florida, uh, Mississippi state, South Carolina, Auburn, uh, anything stand out to you in, in terms of like, Oh man, that was a tough schedule or, Oh, we got a good draw. Kind of what are your thoughts on, on that first kind of 2024? It's a good draw. Cause you don't have Alabama and Georgia on the schedule. That's my thought too. That's my thought too. When I first saw it, I was like, that's not the, the toughest games on your schedule at home. Yep. Right. And like, You've gone to most of those other stadiums, I believe, and played before. I don't know if AM's been to Florida recently. They have, uh, but I, not recently. I think it was 2016 okay. when uh, Florida wore those really bad uniforms. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. Like the Gator leather yeah. or whatever they were. Right. Uh, and AM ended up winning that game. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, winnable games on the schedule for sure. Uh, obviously Notre Dame and LSU and Texas are going to be the toughest opponents, uh, at home and get, getting all those games at home is, is a win. And I think the toughest road opponent is probably going to be Florida. Uh, but Auburn is, is one that I'm going to keep an eye on as well. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what Auburn is in year two, what Florida is in year three, I guess what Mississippi state is also, um, in year two, South Carolina will be in year three of their head coach. So a lot of teams there on the, on the away side, where you're just not really sure, Know what they're going to look like two years ahead, but that home schedule is amazing. If you're a season ticket holder, congratulations to you. Uh, the price of the brick has probably gone up um, once this announcement is gone, and you could make back probably five seasons worth of season ticket money if you're willing uh, to depart with that Texas ticket. Um, another thing I wanted to do before we moved on uh, from schedule stuff is to kind of compare and contrast the Texas schedule. Um, so they, you know, obviously there's eight conference games. Uh, ironically, there's four that are the same and four that are different. So I'd like for us to talk a little bit about which schedule we would rather have. So the, the sim, the four teams that are the same, both teams are playing Arkansas, each other, right? Florida and Mississippi state. A&M plays LSU, Auburn, South Carolina, and Mizzou. Those are the four SEC games that Texas does not have to play. Texas has to play Georgia. Oklahoma, Kentucky, and then Vanderbilt. Which schedule are you taking? I'd rather have AM schedule personally. Me too. Me too. Uh, I saw some message boards posts that were like, oh, Texas has already got the SEC in their pocket. They got Vanderbilt or whatever. It's like, man, Georgia and LSU, we'll just call a draw. Let's I mean, well, and that's being nice because Georgia's two-time defending national champion on like a 30-something plus game. Yeah. We'll just call that one a draw. Oklahoma's better than Auburn, right? I mean, I think we assume that. Maybe that's – I mean, Oklahoma wasn't great last year. Maybe that's just recency bias giving me that, that one. Kentucky, South Carolina seem like a push. Maybe Missouri is better than Vanderbilt. Uh, but, yeah, I think the Texas schedule is tougher as well. I, I, honestly, Vanderbilt's kind of – they came on last season. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they were better at the end of the year. Kentucky has been a tough out under, under Stoops. Uh, they're one of those teams that's just kind of gritty. I mean – I loved the year when it was uh, – God, what's the guy's name? Uh, starting quarterback gets hurt, uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., and just watching Kentucky basically go to like a wing T offense and, and somehow still, you know, give a lot of SEC teams problems. That's a team that's just like willing to do whatever it takes to win, and uh, that's just kind of how Stoops is, has played it at Kentucky. Uh, and so that's kind of a, a tough game as well. Uh um, is Kentucky home or away for the Horns? Do you know? Kentucky is at home for okay. Texas. Texas is home games. Texas home games are going to be Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, and Mississippi State. Yeah. Their away games are going to be A&M, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and they're technically the away team in the Oklahoma uh, yeah. game. So, but yeah, that, I mean, that that's why Texas went to the SEC. I mean, the money, obviously. But, like, yeah. when you replace your home schedule of this year of, like, Kansas State, Texas Tech, whoever else is on that schedule with Georgia, Florida, you know, like that's just that's just different, right? Like that that's yeah. what the fan base wants. And so, uh, yeah, excited. The countdown, I'm sure there's already a countdown. We need to come up with like a number of days and just uh, keep the countdown going. Uh, <laughs> that Texas, Texas A&M. If you don't get in with the Alumni Association, maybe this podcast is big enough by then where we can just we can just get credentials you know, from this podcast, you know what I mean? Hopefully. Uh, I think, you know, I, I may have to pull some strings and see what I can do, but uh, this will be one that I'm calling in favors for, yeah. for sure. Yeah. 
yeah, I got to be there. I got, I actually absolutely have to be in the building uh, for that one. One of the more anticipated games, probably the most anticipated game in the state of Texas in over a decade. Once it happens, I'm not telling any secrets here because we haven't decided this yet. It's obviously like way too early, but I'd imagine that 2024 cover of Dave Campbell's Texas football has something to do with AM and Texas being back, right? There was a cover edition when that game went away. Um, so it's going to be a, a big talking point and one that uh, I'm sure we spend a, a whole lot of time for. And I, I think that's one of the, the underlining stories of 2023, honestly, is both fan bases are going to be comparing and contrasting not only their results, but kind of their team makeups and who's better situated uh, for that, that first matchup, culture-wise, talent-wise, just roster makeup wise, like it's going to be an arms race uh, to 2024. It's going to be fun to kind of watch, th- watch that part by proxy just in this next year. God, that's, I, I mean, I get chills just thinking about it. Cause I was, I was bummed. I never got to play in one of those games. Oh man. Yeah. But uh, now I'm going to get to see it. And I'm happy that for these guys to get the opportunity to play in one of the biggest. Have games you ever been to one? Places. I haven't. No. Oh man. Man, I okay. So I grew up a Longhorn, right? My grandfather worked for the UT football team. Like I, I was born into it. I apologize, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I would get in trouble with my family because it was more fun to go to the one than a like Texas at a And M is where it's at, right? Like a And M at Texas, really cool, really great game, like really great atmosphere, all that kind of stuff. Austin's a great city. I live here, not dogging it at all. But we know the difference between Texas fans and a And M fans, and it is just cool at a And M with, with how it is. Uh, and there, so I'm glad it's kind of starting there. I hope they do it on thing. Where do you fall on where they should do it? I mean, I think win. I'm sorry, win, win. Yeah, I, I think it should be the Thanksgiving game, but there's a lot of people who disagree with that. And I mean, I'm sure we'll find out whenever the dates are announced, and, and there'll be upheaval one way or the other. Uh, but you know, either way, it's I'm just happy to have the game back, uh, and, and happy that it's home and home. Thanksgiving feels like one of the things that made it a great rival. Obviously it's going to be a great rivalry no matter what, but the fact that it was Thanksgiving made it great because it was a family feud situation. You would sit there at Thanksgiving and we all have Aggies in our Texas family or Texan Longhorns in our Aggie family. Right. And you were forced to be together on that day. If it's on October 23rd, you're not in the same living room with your cousins that are Aggies and stuff. But if it's on Thanksgiving, you are, and there are some stakes there and you're playing some football before that game starts and gets a little physical and all, you know, there's trash talking. Like to me, that's what makes that brotherly rivalry uh, so good is that you were, you were in it. Even if you're not at the stadium, you feel like you're in the rivalry while it's going on. I really do hope it's at Thanksgiving. I understand why there's some people who don't, but I I really do hope it's on uh, on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I mean, for me, I was, so everybody in my family was a a Longhorn or an A&M fan. Uh, So I being the uh, little shit that I was, uh, I decided to be an OU fan growing up Mm -hmm. and I was an OU fan all the way through uh, until recruiting started. But I still remember fondly watching those games on the television. Uh, even though I wasn't a fan of either team, uh, it was still just a core part of Thanksgiving. Uh, so, again, just just thrilled to have this game back now, especially now that I have an attachment. Did you lean one way or the other? I always like to see Texas lose as an yeah. OU fan. So yeah. well, that's that a good made point. it pretty easy. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Who uh do you still have a fondness for Oklahoma? Like when Oklahoma is gonna play AM and stuff, is that gonna be is that gonna be a weird thing in the SEC? Like how's that how's that gonna work for you? You got a second favorite team now in the same conference. Yeah, I mean, I'm still gonna root for OU unless uh it would impact AM like in a in a conference championship or in a uh national championship type setting. Like if I need AM or if I need OU to lose to get into for AM to get in the playoff, I'm gonna root against OU. But uh, I'll, I'll, I still have some fondness for Oklahoma. My sister went there, which is funny because she grew up a Longhorn fan. Mm. Uh, but uh, it, it, it's there's definitely still some fondness there. But uh, now, now I'm all Aggie. <laughs> we talked about it at the at the beginning of the show. The reason we didn't have a show last week is I was out on vacation in the uh, uh, national park. What it? What is your kind of like? are you a getaway guy for vacation or do you like to go to like New York city, Boston, like go do, you know, like that. Like what, what is your vacation of choice in in the summer? I am definitely more of a a getaway guy. Uh, I mean, I, I want to go see some cities. Like 
I definitely want to go to New York at some point to cross off the list. Yeah. Boston's another one I want to cross off the list. But my ideal vacation is is road tripping and hitting a few national parks. Uh, this August, I mean, I have a plan with me and my girlfriend. We're going to take off, go to Santa Fe, uh, probably hit some some history stuff while we're there. Just because Santa Fe is one of the uh, the oldest cities yeah. in the in the United States, uh, but then we're planning to swing up to Great Sand Dunes uh, National Park in Colorado, go over to Durango for a little bit, uh, go see Mesa Verde National Park, mm-hmm. uh, and then kind of circle back down to to Red River in New Mexico and and enjoy the mountains up there for a little bit. But uh, I think I'm just a big fan of the American Southwest in general too. I love the desert and mountain landscapes, both, uh, you know, one of the best trips that I ever did was a buddy's bachelor party in Las Vegas. And me and my, my buddy, Craig suits, uh, who's now on staff at Texas state. We decided that we were going to drive, uh, from Tulsa where he was at the time to Las Vegas for this bachelor party, uh, rent a car, drive out there and then fly back. So we drove from, uh, Tulsa to Flagstaff, uh, in one day, Woke up the next morning, went to uh, the Grand Canyon. I uh, just kind of saw it. Circled back around through like the northeastern part of of Arizona. Uh, saw Petrified Forest National Park, uh, and then circled back to Flagstaff. Uh, which, by the way, Flagstaff is one of the coolest cities I've ever been to. Big yeah. fan of it. I think it's pretty underrated. Uh, and then the next morning, we woke up in Flagstaff, drove up through Utah, and kind of came down through Zion National Park, uh, which is another just beautiful part of the country uh, before getting to Las Vegas. And, and I mean, that road trip was just a blast. Uh, you see a lot of different parts of the country uh, that you don't get when you fly. And, and that's what I, I really love about doing road trips. So, uh, you know, we had a destination city in mind, but for me, it's, it's, the, uh, it's all the things you see along the way kind of off the beaten path. What I enjoy about the Southwest, you know, Big Bend, Saguaro National Park, Arizona, New Mexico, is that you have to like earn your your keep there. Like you have to earn your views, right? And it's not for everybody. Like Grand, you go to Grand Teton, it's like anybody in the world would consider that beautiful. You know, yeah. you go to Olympic National Park, and anybody in the world would consider that beautiful. Yellowstone, similar in that way. Uh, but to enjoy Big Bend, that's a different kind of cat. Right. Like not everybody yeah. uh, enjoys, you know, West Texas and Big Bend and, you know, the desert of New Mexico and stuff. You kind of got a little bit of heat talking about the culinary art uh, of Texas, uh, New Mexico. What was the third state? Louisiana and Louisiana. Uh, you got some heat there, you know, uh, to, to <laughs> up the up the brand or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's like a, just a very unique part of the world. I am a getaway guy as well on vacation. Like the less phone service, the better. I mean, I'm addicted to social media because I'm trying to keep up with like the latest thing that possibly could happen. Right. So uh, when my phone keeps me from doing that, it's great. Like there were so many times that I just, you know, reactively grabbed my phone out of my pocket, went to go open something up and it had the SOS on there. And I was like, ah, yes, I can't, I can't do it. I put it back in my pocket or whatever. And I, you know, I've been to some pretty awesome places. Um, Smoky Mountain National Park, I found to be one that I was not anticipating I would enjoy as much as I did. Uh, Very pretty, obviously, uh, but it's not as hot. Like it's the Southeast. You're in Tennessee. You feel like if you're in Nashville or you're in Knoxville, it's hot. You know, it's not 104, but it's 90, right? Like it's still hot. Yeah. Uh, but then you just drive 45 minutes south and you get into those mountains and it's like 74, 70 degrees. Uh, so I just hung, I, we hung out on back porches and Cleanman's Dome and all that kind of stuff. And it was a really cool time. I, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Cleanman's Dome is really cool with the, uh, they have the, uh, the observatory type mm-hmm. thing there at yeah. the top and, uh, that that hike up it is it's a little steep though, isn't it? It is. It's, it's not uh, tough. It I don't wear the knee brace. <laughs> my knee is bad, but I have to wear. I have to. I have to, the going downhill is where I struggle. Yeah. Um. And so I had to. I didn't think I was going to have to because it's like a paved road, right? Um. Yeah. But like I had to put on my knee brace to go down because on the way up I was like, holy shit, uh, this is steep. There's like benches and stuff just to get yeah. to this thing. What was funny about it on our way back down. Uh, we saw two old men just driving their cars like up that paved road. Right. And they, they were like, they had license plates from like Florida, you know, like it wasn't a park person or whatever. They just like jumped the curb and was driving up there. And it was early enough to where 
there weren't really any park people around yet. So I don't know if they got busted or not. I think, think that's the advantage of being that old. Though. I think what is the age where you can start just doing shit? And, and just be like <laughs> and getting away with it. Yeah, just be like, oh, man, that's my bad. I'm sorry. I just, you know, like, what is it? 65, 70? Like, how does that? Evolve? Yeah, probably the retirement age. It's just yeah. like you get to a point where you're just like, all right, well, I mean, uh, geez, I'm sorry. Last time right. I was here. Yeah. What are you going to do? Arrest me in the National Park or something like that? <laughs> um, so it's cool. Got to got to hike some of the Appalachian Trail. Still have about 2,100 miles of that to go to, to knock that one off my bucket list because we only did like three and a half miles of it or something because I'm an old man breaking down, as I mentioned, uh, with my knee. Uh, so elevation cool. makes it a little bit harder to breathe, too. That's uh, that's the other tricky part of it. But see, like, here's the frustrating part. You, I mean, you're a former athlete, so like, you probably have bumps and bruises that that I shouldn't even be complaining about. But it, it, what, what what what's hard mentally when you get into your late 30s like I am uh, is like things start hurting and like you're, you're limited, not because of like your ability to do it. Right. Like I'm in shape enough to go hike, you know, however long or whatever. Uh, but I just start to hurt. Like it just starts to like legitimately be painful. Uh, and that's like a very, very hard part about getting older is when you're like held back, not because of your like physical and shapeness, but just because like, Oh shit, I got tendonitis in my knee. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. uh, it's a, it, I'm starting to pay, uh, for the things in my teenage years and early twenties. And it's not a fun time. It's not, it's not a great mental time to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm not looking forward to the, uh, the taxation of, of football mm-hmm. getting worse as, as time goes on. That's what it is. Like my shoulder from pitching, right? My shoulder just hurts. Yeah. Like for no reason, you know, like you go and lift weights or whatever. And it's like, oh man, my AC joint messed up. And it's for nothing other than I'm like 38 now, you know, like it, yeah. it wasn't true at 34 and it's not like I'm still throwing anything. Uh, but it, it's, it's the taxation uh, as you talked about. It's not fun. It's, it's not fun at all. Where do you think that's going to hit you? Like where were your major injuries? Yeah. My, my shoulder that I ended up, you know, retiring from football for it's, it has its bad days and it's good days already. Mm-hmm. Uh, multiple you can tell the weather. You can yeah. tell the weather already. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely feel pressure, uh, pressure changes. Yeah. Uh, I, I, in my, uh, infinite wisdom, uh, I decided that for cardio purposes, I, I couldn't really run just to run. Uh, so I picked up rugby and just kind of decided that was going to be my cardio. And I got rolled over on my ankle pretty bad, uh, getting tackled one time. And, and that one is probably going to bother me for, a while as well uh but ankles are tough that's why you don't play uh rugby for cardio (laughs) you're an insane person right like hey i'm gonna retire from football because that's that's really physical and my shoulder is hurting me i'm gonna just give rugby a try uh so i can eat as much barbecue as i'd like without feeling as bad is that basically how that mental conversation went jay arnold's brain yeah it was rugby wrestling and jujitsu right and uh (laughs) That's uh, kind of what I got to do. I, yeah. you know, I'm not the most intelligent person in the world, but also I just, you know, I need something competitive to keep me going. Yeah. Most of uh, us play golf, Jay. Most of us uh, play golf. <laughs> uh, do some, I did that you this know, weekend and it hurt my back. So pickleball. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, you know, things of that nature, things that don't require like just taking on another grown man, mono and mono <laughs> uh, in any way possible. I, I feel like you're kind of, you're, you're a little bit of a gladiator sports guy. Really, I think if it doesn't have contact, it's not as much of a competition for you. Yeah, there's there's definitely an aspect to that. And, you know, I wish I wasn't this way, but I am. So yeah. I'm just gonna well, keep doing it. We're glad you're this way. We're glad you're this way. I'm sure your parents are too. It helped with that college bill. So you know, it's all it's all good on that end, right? Um, before we get out of here, I think a lot about nil. One because I don't understand commerce. If I did, I wouldn't have become a sports writer. I would have done something better with my degree. Eh, better's the wrong word. Uh, just more beneficial to my bank account, right? If I understood how how money works. And so the nil thing just really confuses me. I can watch a football game and know what was going on. I can do an interview and write a story. I can all that stuff. But the nil thing, I just don't understand. And so like with. Uh, the new kind of legislators legislation that's happened that like prevents the NCA uh, from going and penalizing certain states and, and specifically Texas that that passed that one. I uh, just kind of made me think about like if I was in college and I was good at something, which I was not. I, I think that's an important distinction to make. I was I was not even good at school. 
uh, much less like any athletic pur- purposes to get me there for free. Uh, but if I was good at something, uh, what would I want uh, to be like the things that were advertising for me? And so my first one that I thought of that was obvious was just Nike, you know, just d- just a very obvious one for, for people who don't know. I am a pretty addicted sneakerhead. Like it's a it's a problem. I try to think of it like drug dealing where I, I sell enough of the shoes that I buy to pay for the other shoes that I keep. And so I'm not dipping too far into my funds. But I think the first one, if I had my choice, would probably be like Jordan brand or Nike. Yeah. Uh, so I, if Nike, like shoes are your vice, yes. uh, I, I would go with my vice being smoked meats, barbecue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you look at Pinkerton's, I think he's already done some NIL deals with yeah. some uh, some athletes. I would love to get like a, a, a Pinkerton's deal or a, uh, you know, we have Truth here in Houston, Fijis in Houston, Brett's Barbecue Shop in Houston. I could just kind of rattle off barbecue joints all right, day. So a barbecue uh, place. One of them, one of yeah. them I would yeah. like to uh, have. And it's it's a good fit as a defensive lineman for sure. Yeah, we, we are also will welcome those as sponsorships to the podcast. I want to make this yeah. clear as well is that any any brand that we mention out there or do not mention uh, out there is welcome to join the podcast, join the Aggie War Pod, uh, uh, you know, March, if you will, um, towards the football season. We're looking for a title sponsor, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we have Home Field Apparel. If you missed the earlier part of the show, it's a podcast. It'd be hard to miss the earlier part of the show. Uh, but whoop, code whoop, W-H-O-O-P. Uh, we'll get you 15% off at Home Field Apparel. Uh, get some shirts. If you'd like to join that advertising uh, uh, march, as I said, uh, please come on board. Uh, my next one would be, I don't know how familiar you, you are with the San Antonio scene. This is going to be very niche. I went to UTSA. Mine would be Tommy's. It's a Mexican restaurant in San Antonio. Become Became kind of a chain since I've left. They're, they've been successful, so they've opened up a few more chains. Probably the wrong word. Kind of like Frenchies in Houston. It hasn't yeah. expanded across the city, but it did well enough to where they started opening uh, more of them. It's where uh, the gringo uh, that I am learned about Big Red and Barbacoa. And it changed uh, my perception uh, of what of how to eat food and what Big Red was. Like I was not a Big Red person going into that. It tastes like bubble gum. Uh, but when you combine it with barbacoa and guacamole and a homemade tortilla, sir, it is heaven. And had they given me anything when I was in college or to this day, I would honk for them because it is the greatest place on earth. But not a taco palenque guy, I see. I am not, uh, dude. We can have a taco <laughs> pee conversation. Um, Taco P is like talk. It's just Taco Bell, right? It's just a localized Taco Bell, which is fine. I'm not here. I, I'm eight years clean. You could imagine how much damage I did, uh, before becoming that, right? Like Taco P has its place two o'clock in the morning. You are trash. Taco P tremendous. I have never, ever been with anybody in San Antonio and I lived there for five years. Never been with anybody at 3 PM in the afternoon hungry. It's just like, you know what? We should go to Taco P. It doesn't Happen. The only people who feel that way are out of towners that have this weird obsession with Taco P. I don't get it. I just do. Not I, get I've it. never been at all, so I, I don't have strong opinions one way or the other. Uh, I will say that I do go to Taco Bell sometimes in the middle of the afternoon. I'm not judging. Uh, I'm not I've judging. Been to Waffle House like at breakfast instead of in the middle of the night. So, you know, there's some interesting character things about me that that probably get brought up. Uh, but getting back to the NIL conversation. Uh, I found out that there's a golfer who's sponsored by the MLB oh. and the wheels turned in my mind. And I was like, WWE has done NIL deals. Mm-hmm. What if mm-hmm. I could get NASCAR or F1 to be an NIL deal for me as a, as a college athlete, that would be pretty cool. I think NASCAR is probably a little bit more likely. Uh, <laughs> so I'm focusing on that one. Uh, also, I'm, I'm more of a NASCAR fan than a Formula One fan, but uh, you fit the profile think, of NASCAR a little bit more. I think so. I think so. <laughs> I mean, especially when I had my mullet. Uh, yeah, yeah. My playing yeah. days. I might have to bring that back. Uh, but you know, you should ask your girlfriend first. I will. I mean, I think she's okay with it as long as I keep it clean. Okay. Uh, like a, as long as it's like classy. As long as it's a classy mullet. mullet. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A suit, uh, uh, black tie affair mullet. It's a fade, right? You get the fade into the mullet, sure. and it's. A little sure. more classy, sure. Uh, but it's uh, I think NASCAR would have been a really cool NIL deal to have. That's a good one. That, that's that's not a bad one. I hadn't thought that big. 
I hadn't thought that big. I, I, again, not a talented human by nature. So I'm thinking local mom and pop shop uh, restaurant there. I guess I went Nike. That's about as big as you can get. So, so I did, I didn't aim high uh, with Nike there, but, but NASCAR, NASCAR is a good one. NASCAR is a good one. I have you seen the, uh, the third, they're trying to do like formula one top golf. Yeah. Uh, in Boston, I think is yeah. where they're putting yeah, the first yeah, yeah. one. That's going to be a new thing. And that's going to be, that's going to be pretty big. It is amazing to me what drive to survive has done for formula one. Cause in my opinion, it's not all that entertaining, right? Like yeah. it, the same guy wins every single week. And I would go yeah. on a tangent about that, but I watch the English premier league oh, and the same boy. team wins every single I, year. So like I, I could get into the racing tangent real hard, uh, talking about the actual quality on track versus other series, but we won't do that. Okay. Well, we may I have mean, to we do it in we July for a new episode. Yeah, yeah. We may have to do it in July because like, you know, we're just, we're not going to have too much to talk about over the next month, but we got media days coming up in about a month. Um, so that'll, that'll start it again. Dave Campbell's Texas football magazine is basically out kind of starting to trickle out to subscribers and media folk, and it'll get to uh, the shelves in a week or two. And that, that kind of is the unofficial start of the football season. Please uh, feel free to get into my mentions and yell at me and make fun of me for, for my predictions. Uh, If I don't, if you don't follow me, I I won't ever see them though. So uh, just maybe take that into account. If you want, if you want me to see your complaints, follow me and then maybe unfollow me afterwards or or whatever you need to do uh, to get that in front of my, I think I do so much, right? Like, I don't want to sound like a martyr here, but I do so many of those team sections that I kind of forget sometimes what I predicted. I think I have A&M at eight and four. I believe I have A&M at eight and four. I may have changed it to seven and five. It's more likely that it's seven and five than nine and three in the magazine. I do, yeah. I do remember, uh, you know, behind the scenes that I, I, I do. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that is. I, I'm a little embarrassed that I can't remember off the top of my head where I have Texas A&M. But I think eight and four. If it's seven and five, I'm sure I'm going to get skewered. <laughs> well, I mean, A&M fans will probably be something find something to be upset about anyway, and everybody who dislikes A&M will also find something to be upset about. And that's just kind of the way it goes. Yeah, it was harder to do A&M section because Jimbo's the only coach that didn't talk to us, right? He was the only place that that didn't give us a one on one, and so and I don't know if he like denied it as much as we just never never got the time to do it. Um, and so it was a little bit more kind of forecasting and not having, you know, cause I've talked about this on podcasts before you walk out of those buildings after you talk to the head coach and a couple of players and a couple of coordinators going, man, that team is going to be really good. Like you, you kind of get an inside view of their optimism. Right. And they start talking about the guys and different concepts and how good they're going to be. But when you don't talk to that coach, you don't have that kind of like, you know, look, peek into the locker room. All you can go out on is outside narrative. Uh, and right now, there's just more questions than answers in College Station. So I, it feels like 2023 is going to be a, a very vital year. Uh, but anybody who knows or thinks that they know how AM is going to do or not do this year, I think is just lying. Like they feel like one of the bigger variable teams uh, in the state. So we'll see uh, how that goes. I think that's it. I think that's all we got. That was uh, that was a pretty good episode for for June 19th. Yeah, I mean, I particularly enjoyed getting to make sense of national park stock. It's not yeah. that we get to do too. Often, yeah. NASCAR so. national park, you know, happy Juneteenth, Juneteenth to everybody out there. Uh, uh, should probably, if you're a Texan, you should probably know that history. Go read a little bit about that. Don't just post a graphic, you know, maybe do some, do some reading, learn some stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, that's all we got. We'll do this again in two more weeks for Jay Arnold, for Mike Craven, for Dave Campbell's Texas football and the Republic of football podcast network. Uh, we will talk to you next time.